This is a free download from Delancey Elim Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at Le Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelim.co.uk. Matthew 16, verse 13. I want to talk this morning, uh, maybe in a few weeks, about identity. Uh, I've just found more and more that it's so vital that we kind of know who we are. We often touch on a lot, but I think identity is so vital. And I think I, we're living in a culture, really, that a society that's sort of lost sight of their identity. Have you ever heard people say this? I'm going away to find myself. <laughs> I mean, it kind of sounds crazy. I'm going somewhere just to find myself. The weird thing is, the more, the more you kind of look for yourself, the more you're kind of depressed you feel, really. Because <laughs> the more you look in, it's not good, really. The more you look in at yourself, the more you realise... That's not really you. And, uh, and I want to just talk about the importance. I was, as a few months ago, we were in Bethel. I was remember one of the things that one of the, someone shared me there that they discovered that really you can't, like, they couldn't really move into to miracles and the signs and wonders they needed to see until people knew their identity. Until, until you really know who you are in Christ, it's very hard to kind of flow into a supernatural lifestyle until you really know who you are in Christ. And so identity is so vital. Anyway, Matthew 16, verse 13. Are you good this morning? You're happy? Oh, good, good. How many glad summer's here? <laughs> when he arrives, tell me. <laughs> just to encourage you, London is 25 degrees today, just to make you feel better about yourself. I thought you looked too happy, so I thought I'd better. <laughs> anyway, Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. So this great powerful statement that Jesus says, he says, who do men say that I am? And I don't think he was kind of fishing for a compliment. I don't think you've been there when people sort of say something and what they're saying it for is they want to get a compliment. We've all done that. How many have done that? Come on, be honest, where you kind of, you say something, you think, oh, if I say that, they might compliment me on something. Or, you know, one of the things is, oh, I don't look very good today, do I? And you, the idea is, no, you don't. You look amazing. You know that. And so Jesus here wasn't kind of fishing for a compliment. He just wanted sort of to recognize, he wanted them to see who he was. So it was really, it was a statement of identity. Because when you know who you are, you know what you're, how you're supposed to live. Lifestyle ultimately will always be connected with who you see you are. <laughs> The way you you see you are will be reflected in your lifestyle. It will be reflected in your conversation. It will be reflected in everything you do will come as a result of how you see yourself. And so the disciples then gave all what we would term as distorted views. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah and so forth and so forth. And really they were all distorted really pictures of who Jesus was. I think one of the things that helps us find our identity, really, is to know who God is. 
As long as we have a distorted view of who God is, we'll always have a distorted view of who we are. And I think often our distortion of who we are results from the fact that we've got often a, a distorted view of God. You can't really live in, in Christ's nature until you understand who you are in Christ. And a, I think this is a powerful that when, be, when we begin to see who we are, it's got to come into our lifestyle. Until we live it out, actually, it's never going to really work in our lives. It, it will never be true of our lives until we work it out in our lifestyle. So here's the point. If you really know who you are, then it's expressed, it's manifested in your lifestyle. If you don't know who you are, then you never express what you don't know. Who can see that? And so I want you to see this vital importance of knowing who we are in Christ. And Jesus wanted to know, Jesus wanted those disciples to know who he was, because when you know who he is, then it shapes your view of who you are. Your relationship with him shapes who you are. And so he wanted the disciples to know who he was. So the moment they knew who he was, it would shape their identity and shape who they were. And I think those are kind of a very powerful truth. Because notice what he said. He says, Blessed are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. I think part of identity is this. It's to know who we are in earth, and here's the most important thing, and to know how you are known in heaven. Do you remember when Jesus went into the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61? Do you remember that? He was actually saying to him, this is how I'm known in heaven. And identity really is that. It's really seen how you're known in heaven. Not how you're known by what people say about you. Not how you're known by your circumstances and your experience. But how you are actually known in heaven. And that's true identity. To know how you are known in heaven. And when Jesus read that Isaiah 61, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to heal the brokenhearted, so forth and so forth. He was saying, This is how I'm known in heaven. And this is what... I'm here to do. This is who I am. This is what I've come to do. When you know who you are, then you know what you've come to do. You know your purpose in life. When you tell me to, to Judges 6. Judges chapter 6. You know, what, what is the purpose? For you? you know what? One of the, the jobs and the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to reveal to you, he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna impart to you all that I have received. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to impart it to you. I'm, he's going to bring everything that belongs to me and he's going to bring it to you. The great barrier to that is lack of identity. Here is a, a great story in Judges chapter 6. I think one of my favorite characters is Gideon. How many love Gideon? I think Gideon is so real to, to us today. But Judges chapter 6 verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his miracles, which our fathers did about saying, Did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us out of the hand of the Midianites? And I love this. And the Lord turned to him and says, Go 
in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel. I mean, that is just incredible. God comes to him and says, hello, mighty man of valor. And you could just see him looking around thinking, where is that kind of guy? And he then says, and it's almost God says, you know, whether he expected God to say, okay, I realize how bad you are, goodbye, okay, thank you, and disappear. But God said to him, he didn't, God didn't even, even argue with him, didn't even talk to him, he said, just go. Go in my name, go in my power, go in my strength. I want to see that part of knowing who you are really is an act of obedience. Almost it's getting to the point where we say, I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. You have to repeat that. I am who God says I am, and I can do what God says I can do. Really, that's obedience. Disobedience, really, is to argue with that. It's, it's to give an excuse of why that can't be true of your life. Obedience actually says, yes, God, I am who you say I am. And I can do what you can say I can do. And here's the point. If you don't know who you are, then you don't think you can do what God says you can do. Because you don't think you're that. But when you know what you are and who you are, then you know you can do what God says you can do. And so identity is just so important to enable us to do what God says we can do. And one of the reasons we don't do what, we, what God says we can do is because we don't really, we struggle with this whole sense of identity and who we are. I did in Proverbs 17, Proverbs 23, verse 7. We'll come back to Gideon in a moment, but I just want you to... There's an interesting phrase here in Proverbs 23. Verse 7. For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Think about Gideon. When God says to him, mighty man of valor, what he really believes in his heart comes to the surface. And sometimes, when God begins to declare who you are, what you really believe, not what sometimes we even say, but what we really believe in the depths of our heart begins to come to the surface. And here we find that. The way you see yourself, as a, as a man believeth, so he is. What you believe about yourself affects how you conduct your life, affects the things around your life. For example, if you believe you're unwanted, if you believe you're unloved, if you kind of believe you're useless and rejected, you will interpret life through that lens. That's how you'll see your life. You'll see your life as someone unlovable, someone who's rejected, someone who's useless. You begin to you begin to actually read your life and, and, and interpret your life through that thing. It affects your relationships. It affects everything about you because of the way you see yourself and the way you, what you really believe in your heart. And here's the incredible thing often. We, we then find ourselves reliving that. 
we, we relive it all the time. We almost live in cycles. We go through the same cycles of life and we can't seem to break the cycles because ultimately that's the way we see we are. And so we live out that cycle because of our identity, the way we see ourselves. We live out of a cycle of feeling unloved. We live out of a cycle of feeling unwanted. We feel out of a cycle of feeling rejected. Our whole cycle of life begins to flow through that. And it affects your expectations, the way that you run your life. Because of what you really believe in yourself, about yourself in your own heart. And what happens is God brings us into a relationship with him, which is wonderful. And then he wants you to be established in that relationship with him. And he wants you to begin to believe who he says you are. Now, here's the problem. Although we come into that relationship with him, we still have baggage from our past life. And we we bring this baggage with us from our past life. So here's the point. That even though we've become a Christian, we still see ourselves the same way we were before we became a Christian. So that means we still, in a sense, act the same way we did before we became a Christian. We still think the same way. We still live the same way. We still have the same expectations. Because we've never really grasped the moment we were saved, we were given a brand new ID. Amen. The old as what? Totally gone. I don't know how true this is. I think it's true. But I heard a story of how they train elephants. When an elephant's a baby, they tie the elephant, they chain it up to a, to a, to a massive pole. And so when it starts to pull, it tries to pull on the pole, but it can't break free. Now, when the elephant grows, and how many know elephants are pretty big? <laughs> the amazing thing is, even though in itself it could just pull that pole out with no problem, it still believes it's powerless to pull that pole out. Because of the training it's had before. So it just accepts it. I think often in Jesus that we've been given a power than when the moment you came to Christ. You were given a brand new nature, but we still often react the same way because we still think we're like we were before. We still think we're as powerless as we were before. Jesus says if you speak to the mountains, they're going to be removed. The problem is, if you see those mountains as bigger than the Christ in you, those mountains are never going to go. But the moment you come to a realisation that the Christ in you is bigger than the circumstances, than the mountains you face, then you have the authority to remove those mountains in life. They say when Edmund Hillary, who climbed Mount Everest, remember him? I think he attempted it, and I, I don't know the exact numbers, I think he may have attempted it about two or three times before and failed And the story goes that he was once looking at a picture of Everest. And he says, Everest, he said, I'm going to defeat you because simply this. He says, you can't get any bigger, but I'm getting bigger. I'm growing. And there will come a time when I'll be big enough to defeat you. I want you to see that in life. That maybe you feel those mountains right now seem so much bigger than you. But there's going to come a point when you're going to realize who you are. 
And you're going to see that you're bigger than those mountains. The Christ in you is bigger than those mountains. And the moment you realize that is the moment you're going to command those mountains to be gone. In the name of Jesus, can you say amen? Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 5. Then let me just give you just a, a brief, if you like, a definition of identity. Identity is, the, is personal characteristics that define you. The characteristics by, way, by the way people know you. It's what makes who you are, your identity, are the characteristics by which you are known, if you like. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 17. I think this is, again, is... It's a phrase, but it's a powerful truth. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we know him thus no longer. I want to see that's a powerful truth. The problem is with lack of identity is because we see ourselves after the flesh. We see ourselves after our old nature. We see ourselves according to the natural realm. And he says here, don't look at things according to the flesh, but according to your relationship with Christ. In other words, that if I see myself after the flesh, I'm going to have an incredible, distortive view of my identity. And I think there's certain things that cause us to define ourselves, to define our identity, that rob our identity. Because we look at certain things after the flesh. And these are some of the things. These are some of the things that we define ourselves rather than letting Christ define us. I think labels. People can have labels. Labels that somehow get attached to them. You know, That person's a bit pushy. He's a loner. He's not very bright. He's distant. And so often people have these labels on their lives. Do you ever have a nickname at school? Because of the colour of my hair, I seem to attract nicknames. I used to have bright red hair. I'm just glad to have hair now, but I have bright red hair. And so that kind of attracts me. And you only know often nicknames are always not really a benefit to you, put it that way. And, and, and they kind of have a distortion a little bit. And, and I think people, through life, through what happens in life, we, we, we get labels attached to us. And, and through the labels that are attached to us, we begin to see our identity through those labels. I remember years and years ago, it was a long time, to so another school. There was a girl that was at school. And she got saved. We both went to the same church and she got saved. And she had a, like a label of somebody who was a bit of a tomboy. You know, she'd fight with people and you know, and that was the way her label was. Jackie, remember, she used to kind of struggle. And, you know, she, and she had a real label of being a tough, sort of, tough, tough kind of call, tough person, really. And years later, now she's in her 20s, and she wants to really have more of a, a view of people, an identity, really, of, of more being a lot more ladylike, if you like. But people would still joke with her. They'd still call her these labels, if you like. And I remember that kind of label that was attached to her so affected the person that she wanted to be. And I think we can have labels and all kinds of labels that get attached to us, that form us, and we think that's who we are because of these labels that are being attached to us. I've got good news this morning that Jesus wants to tear those labels off. So we live in the power of our true ID. 
A victim mentality can distort your ID. A victim, a victim mentality is someone who was hurt, abused, or badly treated, and they felt powerless to stop that happening to them. Some really bad experience of life that really got such a grip that almost when they faced that, they felt powerless to do anything about that circumstance or that situation. And so through that, they then began to develop a victim mentality. In other words, they feel powerless to deal with the things of life. And people say things like this, and I'm sure you've never said this, why does it always happen to me? Always me. You know, why does it always seem to rain when I wash my car, for example? Everything always happens to me. It always happens to me. Everything, you know, never happens to anyone else. It always happens to me. It's always somebody else's fault. If they hadn't done that, then I wouldn't be where I am. And, and so often, we then tend to blame everybody for our situation, for our circumstances. Because I'm powerless to do anything about it, and it's their fault I'm in that situation. And so actually, that is, becomes a victim mentality. And we feel powerless about those things. That was the problem with the children of Israel. That even though they came out of Egypt, they still had a slave victim mentality that prevented them from entering into the promised land. Because they had a wrong, total idea. I think we can allow our past to define us. Where things have failed in our life, maybe failed at a job or failed in some area of education or failed in relationships, we then define ourselves as failures because of things we failed in. Truth is, you're not a failure. Isn't that right? So you don't allow the past to define who you are. I like to call it this. We either live in present past or present future. Present past is where you take the experiences of your past and you allow them to come into your present. Present future is when we allow what Jesus has done for us on the cross to begin to be part of who you are. You know, I often think, mentioned a few weeks ago, when you live in your past, it's like living with baggage in your life. And you kind of, it's like really having an, and someone who doesn't like you who packs your bag on holiday. You know what I mean? You're going to this warm climate, and so someone puts all warm jumpers in there. You know, they, they put that horrible shirt that you don't kind of like, and, and they pack all the wrong stuff in your suitcase. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to pack all kinds of stuff in your life so that you never be who God calls you to be. Because it's the baggage and the stuff of your past that still holds you and still grips you. And almost even though you've got a new ID, it's almost like ever been stuck at the carousel with a you know, baggage claim. And it's like being stuck there for most of your life, and you're stuck with all this baggage, and yet you've got this ticket to go into this amazing destiny, amazing purpose of God. Other people find their ID through their positions. Could be a career could be what they do. Often, that's why often jobs can be quite traumatic when people lose their jobs because their ID is so much connected to their, to their, to their career. They, almost what they do is what they think they are. Could be a position. Could be some status. Dare I say, it could even be a ministry. 
what a challenge that is for people in ministry. Often, your ministry becomes your identity. I've had to learn that, that what I do ministry-wise is not who I am. That's not my identity. And often we can become so tied into our identity, that becomes who we are. How many of you have ever seen the film Cool Running? Have you seen that film? I love that film. It's about the Jamaican bobsleigh team. Have you ever seen it? It's a great film. I love it. If you ever get a chance to see it, it's an amazing film. A true story, actually. And as a part of that, where one of the guys, he just wants to win a gold medal. That's his whole focus in life. And I always remember what the coach said to him, because the coach was a, a three or four gold winner medal in the bobsleigh. He's their coach. And, and he actually cheated once to try to win the gold medal, and he basically got found out, and he got thrown out, and all this. And the story goes on about that. Rosemary, what he says to this guy, he says to him, if, you, if, you're nothing, if you're nothing without it, you won't be anything with it. It almost, if you can't live without a gold medal, then really you can't live without it. So it almost, if that becomes your whole center of all that you do, if that becomes your whole identity, then really you're never going to enjoy it even when you have it. And so often that becomes, our position could become an identity. And I think one of the things what the enemy wants to do time and time again, he works hard at damaging your identity. So you feel insecure, you never feel good enough because he's damaging your idea. Do you know what? Have we, seen, have we found pressure in society of that? If you don't look like this, oh, you haven't got the right look. You haven't got the right hair. You haven't got the right, cool, school, you know, the right clothes. And often we are so under the influence and pressure to actually form an ID rather than let Jesus conform us to his image. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I just love it. Now, you'll find in the Bible, have you noticed this? How the God changes people's names. Have you noticed that? Now, he doesn't change their names because he doesn't like it. He doesn't say, well, your name's Cuthbert. Not into that. Uh, uh, I was no Cuthbert here today, but you know what I mean? He, I don't like that name, so I'll tell you what, we will change your name. I'll give you a better name than this. Interesting enough, you know what Gideon names, name, names means? It actually does mean man of valor. So when God said to Gideon, man of valor, he was actually saying what his name meant. He's actually saying to him, live out your name. That's who your name is. Now live that name out. But many times, God changed people's names because he wanted to change their ID. For example, Jacob. He's called, his name means deceiver. His name means displanter. His his name actually means the twisted one who walked to get what others want. How do we know that's not a good idea. You know, that is not a good idea. So God changes his name from Jacob, that means the one who deceives, or a supplanter, and changes his name to Israel, which means a prince with God. What God was saying to him, he says, you are not a deceiver, that is not your identity. That is not who you are. You are a prince. Because out of you will come kings. So I'm changing your name so you can begin to see who you really are. Abram, his name is changed to Abraham, which means the father of many nations. Isn't that awesome? His name was changed before he had the child of promise. And God 
require for him to confess her in his heart, to believe her in his heart, and almost to get in agreement with God, to begin to call the things that God wants him to see. I want you to see something about God. When God looks at you right now, he doesn't see your circumstances, in a sense. He doesn't see you are as you are now. He sees the end product. He sees your potential. He sees what you could be. He sees, the th- as far as God is concerned, it's already there. In the spirit realm, it exists, even though it has not yet been manifest. He sees what the end result will be. That's why God can say things about you, because that's what you will become. And what he looks for, really, is for us to say, God, I agree with what you say about me. If you say you're a reject, if you say you're a failure, then you are allowing other things to define who you are rather than let God define who you are. I think a lot of people spend their life being defined by their circumstances or being defined by their experiences or, or being defined what people have said about them or being defined about their past. And other things define them rather than letting God define who they are. And Paul really says this. He says, look, stop identifying yourself after the flesh. Start seeing yourself who you really are in Christ. And that's what's going to affect your relationships, your destiny, your ministry, your careers. Everything really is determined by how you see yourself. You know, we're living in days where ID is very, very important. I'm going in, this afternoon I'm in the prison. You know what, I'm never going to get past the gates without ID. It's just not going to happen. I think I shared before, I remember when I was in Australia, losing my passport. I mean, that's not a good place to lose your passport. And I, I, I was, we were literally right to the gate, and I suddenly, I, I can't find my passport, where's my passport gone? And we were just, I was, I tell you, it's a horrible feeling to know you're in another country, and you're not getting anywhere, because you haven't got your passport. Awful. Anyway, cut a long story short, after about an hour of, of Angie, and of the whole, everybody kind of, what are we going to do, what, you know, all sorts of, I remember putting my hand in my back pocket, Oh, no, there's my passport. I was not flavor of the month at that moment in time. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. So I flew alone that day. No, but the point is often that you can't get anywhere without ID. I want to get out of this. Without knowing your identity in Christ, you'll never go where you want to go. You're never going to leave a negative situation unless you know your ID. You're never going to really build relationships well until you know your ID. You're never going to see breakthrough in your life until you see your ID. You're never going to see the miracles that you want to see until you know your ID. In other words, a lot of things are never going to happen in our life until we know who we are. And I think God works on that to get it in. And it's a process. We encounter God and then he begins to do this process to bring us to know who we are. We could probably go for hours and hours looking, and I'm not going, don't worry, I'm not going to do that, but we could look for hours and hours at who God says you are. Let me give you a few examples. 1 John 3.16. So 1 John 3.1 says, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. That's your idea. You're a child of God. You are a child of God. You have access to the Father every moment, all times. You have incredible benefits because you are a child of God. That's who you are. You're a child of God. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that you are a brand new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. Actually, if you read it in the Living Bible, it says you are a, a, a brand new species of beings that never existed before. And I think we need to align our life with the fact that, that I'm a brand new person. The old is really gone. I've got a brand new start. I've got a clean, sh- a clean slate. All the, all the old things in my life, the old ways of thinking, the old things that used to rule me and control me, all the old emotions in my life, they are finished, they are done, they are removed. I am a brand new creation. Isn't that good? God doesn't kind of re-enact the old or put a bit of the old together. You are a brand new creature. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says something even more staggering. It says, you are a temple of God. The Spirit of God is inside you wherever you go. You can bring God's goodness. You can bring God's mercy. You can bring God's presence wherever you go. Wherever you go. You carry the presence of the living God. Isn't that awesome? You're a carrier, a temple of the very presence, the very Shekinah glory of God dwells and lives in you. Man, just that should get us dancing around the room. Is that right? Romans eight seventeen says, I'm an heir of God, a joint heir with Christ. How awesome is that? That God has got amazing things for me, things I'm entitled to because I'm an heir. Ever had a, a will? Ever received benefits from a will? That's awesome. When you get benefits from a will. I've been written, I've got a will. It's called the New, it's called the, the Bible. If you like, the New Testament, if you like, in particular, tells me all the things that belong to my will. It's my will. And I love to read my will every day. To see what truly belongs to me. I'm an heir of God. A joint heir with Christ. The Bible says you're a priest. You have the privilege of coming before God. And standing and interceding and coming to the presence of God. The Bible says we are kings. That we rule. We reign in this life. Things don't reign over us. but We rule and reign in this life. The Bible says that we are ambassadors of Christ. We are a representative of heaven. The Bible says you are his workmanship. Or one translation says you are his masterpiece. God's working on you. Someone said, someone's carved a beautiful horse. And they said, they said to the sculptor, how, do you, how did you do it? He says this, I removed everything from that piece of wood that wasn't a horse. And God looks at you and he removes everything in you that's not like Jesus. Simple as that. That's what he's working on. He's working on you and he says, you are my masterpiece and I'm working on you in a process way to make you more like my son. And that's what we do. We, we, take, and we could go on and on. We take all these scriptures 
And we begin to think on them. We begin to confess them as true of our lives. We begin to meditate on them. We begin to imagine them happening. And that's who we are. And then it begins to work in us. We begin to personalize them. And say, Lord, thank you. This is who I am. I'm greatly loved by you. And we begin to personalize all the things that God says about us. We begin to embrace it. We begin to believe it. With all the capacity we have. And when the enemy comes to try to distort those things, you say, that's not who I am. I'm not a failure. I'm a new creature. I'm not rejected. I'm loved. I'm not, I'm not unloved. I'm accepted in the beloved. And that doesn't just become words that you say, but it becomes part of who you are. That's how you see yourself. You don't see yourself as someone unloved anymore. You see yourself as someone loved greatly by the Father in heaven. You know what? And when you begin to relate to people, you relate to people out of their identity. You know what the reality is? If, I, if, I, if, all, if all I see myself is a failure, that's how I'm going to relate to people in that way. I'm going to relate to people and I'm going to feel a, an inferiority there. I'm going to feel a, an, a, an inability to get close to people because of the way I perceive myself to be. But oh, when I see myself in him, when I see myself out of that position of security. I can get close. I can trust. I can build powerful, lasting relationships because of who I am in Christ. And I begin to do the works of Christ because I know that's what he's called me to do. I begin to, to, to pray with boldness. I pray with confidence. Knowing because he's my Father in heaven, I know that he, I know that he hears me. And so every aspect of my life begins to change, begins to alter because of the way I see myself in him. Can you say amen? Think about this verse as I close. I can do all things, isn't that powerful, through Christ. That strengthens me. Here's the point. If I don't really know the Christ in me, then I'm not liable to live that verse out. But when I really know the Christ in me, then a new sense of confidence arises. So I can do everything God asks me to do because I know the Christ who lives in me. I can do all things. Through Christ who lives in me. How transforming is today to know our identity and to know who we are in Christ. I shared last week, I think it was, about, about fear, how fear can overwhelm our life. Really, what, you know what is fear when you look at it? It's lack of identity. It's believing that, you're, that you are not big enough to face what you're facing because you've not seen who the Christ is that lives in you. Earthen vessels, but a treasure within us. Let's just stand. Let's just come for a Lord in these moments. I just now in these moments begin to say, Lord, I thank you today. I thank you for who I am today in you. You know what the incredible thing is? We've not done anything to earn this. It's all through him. And so we don't have to limit our, We're not limited by anything. The only thing that limits us is our lack of identity. And that's the only thing that limits us in our Christian life. It's where the enemy kind of robs us of who we are through words, through thoughts, through accusations, through making us look back to our past. He robs us of our identity of who we are in Christ. So I want to say these moments, Lord, thank you that I'm a, a new creature in Christ. Thank you, I'm an heir of God. 
And whatever I face tomorrow, I declare, Lord, the greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I can do everything you've called me to do because of the Christ that lives in me. When you ask the Lord, say, give me a revelation on that today, Lord. Help me to live it out in my life. Let it become a lifestyle. Let it become something that I'm just, that's who I am. That's who I recognize I am today. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing unto you, O God. Lord, I thank you today of who we are in Jesus. Thank you for all that you've made us into, Lord. And right now, we just rebuke every lie of the enemy. We rebuke the false ideas he tries to put on us. We rebuke the false identities he tries to put on our lives, Lord. And we rise above today and we declare who we are in Christ. Lord, thank you that what you've made us into. Thank you, that, Lord, that we've become brand new creatures. Thank you that, Lord, all that is of our past, there's no power and no control over us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, no no matter how many times we've failed, thank you that, Lord, you still love us. And, Lord, thank you that you still have a purpose, you still have a plan. And, Lord, you define us today by the purpose and the plan and, and the destiny you have for our lives. So I pray tonight, bring revelation to our hearts, I pray. I pray for every single person in this room today. May they see revelation. May they see who they are in Christ. May it burn alive in them today. May they live out that idea. For your glory, for your honor, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceelam.co.uk.